Hallelujah. Amen. Say amen, somebody. Amen. The Lord is good. <laughs> I said the Lord is good. All right, let's um, quickly take our declaration of understanding, and then we'll, continue, we'll finish what we began last time studying, and then we'll continue to pray. The Lord is good. So if you know it by heart, go with me. Want to? Let's go. Spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. What is entering my heart? It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Alright, let's take our the Lord is good. Right, let's quickly get into it. Um, Ephesians chapter 5. One thing God does is to give us responsibilities. And one of the signs of maturity in Christianity is to understand your responsibility. Another thing is to bear it in mind, even though you may not think that something depends on only you. Once it depends on you, once you're involved... Just behave as if it depends on only you. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, it's a sense of responsibility. It's a sense of responsibility. I can say that boldly. One of the problems this nation has is that most people, I dare to say 99%, if not more, yeah, I think much more than 99%, do not have the sense of responsibility or, or ownership. They just assume that you know, there's this attitude about let's depend on the government for everything. If roads are bad, the government should build for us new roads. If there's no water, the government should supply water. If there's no, I mean, security, government, you know, everybody looks towards government. Once in my institution, some people donated some money. I think about $10,000 or so. The question was thrown out, how do we spend it? So over 100 people were contributing into what um, it should be used for. Alright, so just one thing. But at the end of all the talk, about three major things came up that we could use the money for and it would be a blessing to the environment, to the people around. So the issue is, which one of the three do we now choose? So I brought up the idea. I said, of course, we know the exchange rate issue. So this is Nigeria. We spend in Naira. We end in Naira. So you have to do some conversion. So when I did the conversion to local currency, I distributed over the number of us who were the people in the group who were speaking. Now, shortly before that time, we had lost two members. And, of course, we contribute money, condolence posts for the family. So for each of the previous two months, they are taking some money from us for the condolence posts. So I just brought up a suggestion. I did a small calculation. I said, instead of us voting on which of these three we should spend this $10,000 on, that's been donated by some alumni. I said, why don't we just raise $30,000? That is $20,000 extra. From the midst of us, I said, it won't be a problem because the last two months, we have had deductions from our salaries for this purpose. I said, I've done a small calculation. They should just continue deduction for two more months. 
And then each month we get $10,000. The second month we get $10,000. And then we have $30,000. And we don't have to be voting on where do we spend $10,000. I know what happened. Everywhere went silent. I didn't get any response. I didn't get a yes or no. After about two days, of course, I, which kind of president do we have? It starts again. And I said, excuse me, I just asked a question about two days ago. Because the first set of people said, look, if we buy this, it will help maybe neonatal, newborn babies, premature babies, and we can do this and do this and it will be $10,000. I made a lot of sense. And I said, so if you did this one, this one, it will help people who are going for surgery. Uh-uh. Three good needs. I said, why don't we just solve all of them? And it's as easy as each person contributing. The same amount of money we've been contributing for the family of the deceased amongst us in the last two months, let's just make it four months. So one man raised up his voice and said, I don't imagine why I should be using my money to do what the government is supposed to do. And I said, but you are here discussing using the alumni's money to do what government is supposed to do. Sometimes I tell some of my colleagues, I say, my friend, you use money to earn respect. You can't go to the office, raise your shoulder that you are the big boss. When things like this come up, they can't say the big bosses have donated. I said, why don't you, why? I don't have to tell you, I left the chat group after a few days. So I can't stand this. You want to know the problem with this country? I've just dropped one for you. No sense of ownership. No sense of responsibility. To say this road is our own. To say this culvert or this street is our culvert. We don't have to wait for the local government. We don't have to wait for anybody. If they won't do it, we'll do it. I have a neighbor. I've been waiting for him the day he tried to run for president. I am going to join his campaign train. I've told you people. When you see me carrying placard on the street, I won't carry as Pastor Bank so that nobody is not a religious thing. So I told him, the day you want to run for president, please. I didn't tell him. I told my wife. My wife went and told his wife who went and told him. <laughs> yeah, because no, really. I, and if you come and meet me that he's in office, he chop money, I won't even answer you. I'm not going to answer you. Why I give him as an example is the way he puts a sense, you know, there's a sense of responsibility about it. It takes ownership. I pray we have enough people who behave like that. Sense of responsibility. One day I went to a school nearby here. I used to teach that time there. And it was raining. And their chairs, reading chairs, were out in the rain. And the students were all in their hostels and in the classrooms watching the seats in the rain. They're made of plywood. So I began to gather them. Come, all of you, come. Let's move these things out. One of them said, he's sick. He's not feeling well. I look at them. I said, if this seat is poor, then you can demonstrate that we don't have what to use to sit in our class. Now, you are not meant to bring them out. They were meant for the classrooms. Of course, the next time the school fixes, they lock them to the ground. And you know, it's very difficult to use chairs that you can't shift. Sometimes you are too tall. This is how you <laughs> Like praying mantis to be able to, I'm telling you. And then if you are too short, sorry, you sit at the edge. You're writing two kilometers away in front. You see how we just, I told you. You know, when I see what they tell you that Nigeria and the problem is a government, I said, it's not government. The people are too wicked. People are too wicked. 
one of my friends said to me, when I, after I argued, of course, it, it seemed not to have bought my argument anyway. But one of them gave me a lot of points. He said, from what you are saying, there's no hope. I said, you thought there was hope? I said, of course, there is no hope apart from we preach the gospel of Jesus. And people believe it, and human beings are transformed. If in this continent you are waiting for a government that will change things, you're high, you're drunk, you're confused. You don't even know what you're thinking about. You wait for eternity. I said it again and again. And I believe it more than ever before. What we need in Africa is the gospel of Jesus. It's like telling me that one you will elect a leader somewhere in Arab countries will stop fighting. How is it possible? You see, everywhere has its problems. If you go towards those uh, Arab people, they always fight. Unless they have a a strong man, thank you. You you use the right word. You must have been in the Bible when they were writing that. You, it, you unless you get a strong man that will crush every opposition with a sledgehammer. People like Saddam Hussein, Muammar Gaddafi. While Saddam Hussein reigned, there was peace. Not peace of I love you. It's peace of if there's no peace, I shoot you. I'm telling you, until somebody came from somewhere thought they needed democracy, that was the end of peace. Libya had one of the highest standards of living in the world because one man had a sledgehammer and he crushed everything in his sight. And very smart guy, Muammar Gaddafi. I was a little boy and he was doing terrorism, he was doing terrorism, terrorism, terrorism. Sponsor, you know, was one of those that was very strong in the OAU. Tried to gather everybody together. Unfortunately for him, he got involved in sponsoring terrorists against America. America said, boy, behave yourself. So I still remember they sent F-111 bombers to kill him. He leveled his palace, leveled everywhere. But he was very smart. He never used to stay in one place. That's how he escaped. After that, he left terrorism alone. But his country was very prosperous. Very, very. Until one day some people woke up. What's the name of that funny? Uh, what's the, is, is this uh, Nicolas Sarkozy? Was it the one? The French guy. At the end of the day, they killed Mama Gaddafi during the Arab Spring. One of the worst things that the Arabs ever saw. Arab Spring. Why? That's how the people are. They need a strong man. America will be exporting democracy. Thank God, Bassanjo has come now and told us that it's a useless idea. <laughs> Yeah, I said about last week. People are busy him. I said, the truth, the man spoke. You can't free people who don't understand freedom. That they should be voting for anything they like. In the same manner, you cannot expect African countries to develop under democracy. It can't happen. Hey, hey, wait, wait, wait. Did I you hear what I said? It can't. The little development we have, you know where it came from? You want to know? Colonialism. The colonial masters are sent by God to pull these crazy people out of their dark ages, into a semblance of development. Then they left. I said, yeah, gospel, take it from here. And we think we can sit down here (laughs) and just elect these normal black guys to turn the country to the first world. It's not going to happen ever. You hear what I said? It's not going to happen ever. Why? The soul of a man has something it can produce. He has something it can handle. He has something it can't handle. 
The way the soul of the continent is, it can't handle what you are wishing for. So what am I saying is the solution? Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. And I feel sorry for churches who are not preaching the gospel, are just deceiving us. Just gathering people to come and look. Don't worry. I will soon enter into my closet and take false prophets, take their matter on. They are the worst plague of this continent. False prophets. They heal the hearts of the daughters of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, when actually there is no peace. Is the reason why, what's the name of the tall man? Rwandan head of state, Paul Kagame, decided to shut most of them down. I wish he didn't, because, because what will happen is that you end up shutting the tears with the wheat. That's what I don't like about it. But I can understand his provocation. People are not transforming people. They are just there prophesying, prophesying. And in Nigeria, we have this online prayer movement. I just look at it. I, I've, I've listened to a few of them. I'm not impressed. I'm sorry, please. Is it don't the pastor when you realize you're hearing out? Look, I'm a teacher of the word, but I have a prophetic anointing. Watching what is wrong and telling people this is not right. Some things I hear sometimes. My wife and I were speaking. That, ah, where is uh, Mr. My wife and I? He said, no, he, t- he won't let all of you rest. He will be saying, my wife and I now. <laughs> ah, that's what he said, though. Where, uh, where did you transfer him to? Went, I saw him today. I said, you came from the moon? <laughs> I got a call yesterday from the moon. My phone was even glowing as the call was coming in. Now I said, oh boy, you are calling from the moon. Is there a signal there? <laughs> he said, sir, for you, there's a signal. <laughs> His wife and him, God bless you. The guy said, that's what he's been looking forward to, to be able to see my wife. <laughs> oh, Lord, the Lord is good. I said, the Lord is good. So, the other day, my wife and I were speaking. You were narrating some things you heard. that like, my God, these things happen in churches. You know the problem? Churches don't preach repentance. Now, you want to hear the truth? The word of the Lord is against you. If you don't preach repentance at the pastor of a church, you must preach repentance. There's nothing like believe alone. Salvation that does not go with repentance is a fake one. The people were never saved. They were deceived. The people were never saved. They were deceived. That's the way Derek Prince said it. He said, nowhere is a gospel ever preached apart from repentance. That you must preach repentance. People must repent. I've heard funny doctrines like, yes, what does it mean to repent? It means you did not believe before, now you believe. That's very funny. Isn't it funny? That's not repentance. That's faith. Faith is a different word from repentance. Faith is that you did not believe before, now you believe. But if it's not accompanied with, with, with the fact that you were a liar before, now you don't lie anymore. It's a fake faith. Repentance has to do with your works. It's not just about your heart. When we're talking about repentance, we're talking about your works. Repentance focuses on the outward manifestation of the inward transformation that faith brought. When people don't preach repentance, people are not transformed. You have to say to people, if they're in church, Christians don't tell lies. You have to tell them. They don't sell fake products. They don't cheat. They don't commit adultery. 
You have to tell, tell. And if you are not doing these things, you are not born again. Faith is very doubtful. Why am I saying so? Now everybody is doing prayer this thing now because you know it draws a large crowd. And people are looking for emergency breakthrough. If people are not being changed, if after they finish praying with you for 30 days, as we were lying before, they were still lying. You have fooled them. You have wasted their time. You have wasted your time. No matter how much you become, how big you become, you know how, as a preacher, your work will be burnt with fire. That's what the Bible says. To be tested with fire and everything will burn up. I hope you're getting my point. Only the gospel can change. Anyway, I went into all of that talking about the sense of what? Responsibility and ownership. Alright, so that's just an aside. So let's get back to the main thing. So God expects us to have that sense of responsibility and ownership concerning everything. So anything wants to change, he takes somebody and says, you, you can have it. Then what he's saying is that whatever I want to do, do it for me. Do you get my point? That is, my people are in captivity, they are in Egypt. Mm, who do I give them to? Moses, come. I give you these people. You know, at the point in time, Moses had to complain. Who told you I can carry this level of human beings? At the point in time, Moses had to like, ah, are these my children? Why did I give birth to them? He was quarreling with God. Of course, I've given them to you. Carry them. That's what he did. To liberate the people of Israel, God gave them to somebody. God handed them over to Moses. They became his responsibility. He had to pray for them. He had to intercede for them. That is, when they sinned and God would destroy them, he had to stand between God and them and say, no, don't. And then also he had to exert discipline. Because he didn't want troubles in the, the trouble in the camp. When he didn't know what to do, he went to the Lord to go and ask. But it was his responsibility. When he had to leave, God handed them over to Joshua. Please don't forget that. In your life also, you know, we're reading somewhere, right? Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read in a moment. What did God do there concerning your life and mine? He gave you a spirit. So we use the word, Paul will tell you, my spirit prays. The spirit of a prophet. The prophet has a spirit. So once you have the word, my, once I can say your, that, is, that, is, that implies that you must be responsible for that thing. I hope you get my point. When the church was called the bride of Christ, Christ is responsible. So what is the Christ doing? Ephesians chapter 5. We won't read everything just to quickly get to the thing we are saying. He said, wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. I'm reading from verse 22, now I'm 23. As Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be subject to their husbands in everything. My emphasis is on the role of the husband. Verse 25, he said, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she will be holy and blameless. So husbands also ought also to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves 
himself. Let me just read verse 29. He said, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the body. Now, let me stop reading there. Now, I read this again to emphasize to us that the body belongs to Christ. For that reason, what is he doing? He's sanctifying her, cleansing her. That is, sanctify means to cleanse. But the method by which he's doing it is to wash her with the word, the way you wash your body with water. Do you get my point? So what he does is to wash her with the word. The water with which he cleanses the bride is the word. And he said, in the same manner, husbands should take care of their wives. The aim is to present her holy and blameless. But if anything God gives you, this is a commandment. You are to sanctify the thing. You are to sanctify your spirit. You are to sanctify your soul. You are to sanctify your body. Let me go over this again. You know, sometimes we talk about salvation. And people get confused as to whether we have been saved or we will be saved. See, there are different aspects to these things, depending on the context in which you are speaking. We have been saved. We are being saved. We will be saved. Three of them are correct. They go side by side. First, you are saved from sin. You are reconciled to God the Father. Your past sins are forgiven. Your ancestral sins are forgiven. You have now a new lineage. I hope you're getting my point. The blood of Jesus cleanses you. All the sins you've committed. That's what we mean by what? Saved. That's first salvation. But we are being saved. It means that you are a newborn babe. You need to grow. The flesh is still alive. It's not dead. You may be forgiven, but your flesh is still alive. You are still subject to temptation. As long as you are in this flesh and Satan is allowed to move about, you will still be tempted. You are not mature yet. That's why I said be perfect. That is walk into perfection. That's why God calls people to walk with him. So it's a process of changing you into what God created you to be. Do you get my point? Please understand how God talks. When he speaks sometimes, people don't understand. Like the way Miles Moreau taught us that thing, that thing that time. He said God is an architect. He draws a plan. He builds a model. And he puts it there. Now if you, I mean... <laughs> The other day, my wife and I were looking at... Um, now, Judas made me so conscious. Oh, this is my wife and I think now. This guy. He said, people just change your life. Eh? This is Junior Israel. Careful yourself. Oh. I will still say it. Whether I don't know. Because two of us, okay. So, Mrs. B and Mr. B. Were... <laughs> oh, God. Okay, I was just saying something. So I said a few days ago, my wife and I were trying to make some you know, choices and stuff. So we're, watching, we're looking online. We're looking at some things, images. So I pointed, I said, this is fine. It's a house, right? You know, painted. So I said, this is, I said, don't be deceived though. That house looks fine. We're just looking online at different stuff. I said, it's a model. Now this, this is where I'm going. It looked real. It looked like it's there. I said, no, it's finer than it really is in real life because it's a model. Everything is perfect. They even put the kind of birds that should fly over it. You know they do that. 
They put the weather behind. That you see the sky behind. That, that's what architects do. They give you a 3D model. Something they can even build it there. If they take a picture, they even put children playing in front. That's what architects do. So my story is to tell that's how architects behave. That's how God does. So when God has drawn something like that, he now presents it. And those who don't know, they think that it's finished physically. He said, no. God said, this is what I have done. Now let's now work together to build it outwardly. So Miles Murray would tell us those days that God doesn't start until he has finished. I hope you get my point. So he first calls Abraham and says to him, a father of many nations, I have made you. So after making Abraham a father of many nations, he now called Abraham and said, walk with me until perfection comes and what I made will become real in your life. And I'm convinced, having studied scriptures, that when they say he made man in this image, in the image of the creator, he made and female created them. <laughs> that image is a 3D design, architectural design. That Adam himself never reached there. And which is what I'm talking about. How was God going to bring him to that point? After Adam was made, that's why he used to come to him in the cool of the day. How God fills a place with himself is by his word. I hope you get my point. He starts speaking into the situation. He starts speaking to the situation. That's what he does. So, we are being saved. We are being washed with the washing of water by the word. We are in the process of being perfected. So, we have been saved. We are also being saved. Negative thoughts are being removed. We lay down our bodies on this altar deliberately after we have been saved so that we can continually be saved. Do you get my point? We are being transformed by the renewing of our minds. We are putting on the new man, which has been renewed in the image of Christ. We are putting him on. That's a whole life, lifetime. You are constantly getting better. And then one day he shall appear. Amen? One day you shall see him face to face. The Bible says you will be like him. You will be transformed because you will see him as he is. And then this physical body will be laid down. A new one will be raised out of it. This time around in immortality. That body will be real, tangible, but will not have blood flowing through it. At that particular point in time, Satan will have nothing to use to tempt you. Do you get my point? There will be no risk of falling into temptation. The flesh is permanently dead. Do you get my point? But you are still going to be really alive, just like Jesus is alive. That's why it's called the firstborn out of the dead. The same way he was raised up from the dead, he now has a resurrection body. Everyone who believes in him will be raised up from the dead also. And there are two categories. Those who sleep in the Lord before the Lord comes will be raised. But those who he meets physically who are still alive, they said they will be changed. They will never have the opportunity of having their bodies expire physically. But one moment they had the old body, next moment they have a new resurrection body. I'm still trying to understand that resurrection body is a very interesting body. It has all kinds of things in it. One I think it really has, it has a chameleon ability. can adapt easily to situations. If he has to walk on this earth to pass through walls and nothing, you know, according to one man, those is the vibration of the molecules. So fast. can pass through walls. How do we know? We saw Jesus do it. Why added the chameleon aspect? 
is the fact that they will see him, they wouldn't recognize him. Do you get my point? But that's not what we are teaching now. What we are just teaching is that there are stages. So we have been saved. You understand that? We are being saved. You understand that? And we shall be saved. In the same manner, when you read the scriptures about sanctification, it's like that. You have been called out. That's what it means to be sanctified. But then you are now washing away everything. That's why, look, if you are totally, perfectly consecrated and sanctified the day you were born again, why would Paul write to you that you need to present your bodies? So there are Christians who have not presented their bodies. There are Christians who have not presented different parts of themselves. Many people have not presented their skills. They've not presented their eyes. <laughs> yes, they've not presented their, their hands. They've not presented their ambition in life. You know, let me say something to you here. What God does is that he keeps exposing. And that's how we keep on coming. I mean, most of you, I can see here, you were here on Saturday. And you were here last Tuesday. All things when you call, you'll be here this Saturday. You'll be here again on Tuesday. Until I say, hey, close the door. For the rest of the year. Why do we keep coming? I'll tell you. It's because the process is continual. That is why I get up in my house. Today, I still acquired. You know, I said, God bless technology. Did you hear me say the other time? God bless technology. Oh, God bless technology. Father, we thank you. We bless your most holy name for technology. Because today I just sat down. I was just looking for some books. I just put my computer down. Click, click, click. After clicking, I packed five new books. Serious ones. Serious ones. Which I have to eat over the next few days. And drink of the spirit. Do you follow my point? Now, as you are doing that, what God is doing is that sometimes you just pick one area. There are times he will tell you. You know, there's a story I told before about one young woman deep into the occult. She was into all kinds of things. She was a witch. She entered into real witchcraft coven. I don't mean the ones that only fly at night. This one fly by day. Not, in the, not, not a black African. A white American, if I remember well. Yeah, this one. Okay, yeah. There's a book that, there are two of them now. I, I tend to mix their stories sometimes, all right? But this one's really into the occult. In fact, in the, in, the, in the story, I think one of the tests he gave them at the time was to, they were having a meeting, and people came into the bush. That some people used to come and have meeting here. Her job was to shield everybody. And she just threw a cloud, and those people walked past and didn't see them. Yeah. They were having a meeting. They said, look, protect. So she just, that was her job. They saw the people pass. People were looking for them. That some people come here all the time. Who are they? And they didn't see them. That's her kind of. That's the kind of thing she went into. She got into all kinds of things in her witchcraft issue. But then one day she met the Lord, became a Christian. The person who wrote the book was now spending all the time casting out demons from her. Let me tell you something about demons. You want to know about demons? There are different ways to cast out demons. There's come out. There's one problem with come out demons. They also come back in. It's in the Bible, like Jesus said it. They will first go, then they will soon return. Why are they check, what are they checking for? To find out whether the place is still conducive. So the best way to have demons go out and never come back is to make the place, what's the opposite of conducive? Unconducive. Are you sure? Or inconducive. Let's just use that one. Uncomfortable. Difficult to thrive in. Just make the place rough for them. 
Sometimes without saying go out, they go. Sometimes they are hesitating to help them to go by just telling them to get out. But the place must remain permanently uncomfortable. Otherwise, they will return. One story that illustrated very well, which I heard from the mouth of the prophet, Kennedy Higgin, it was a man who had been possessed by a funny spirit. He didn't know it was a spirit. They just came for help. He was always, you know, he started molesting little girls when he would find them. And the spirits, you know, they were going to draw him. In fact, he knew, his wife knew what would happen. There's a murder, a murderous spirit was coming upon him. So as they were speaking, he realized that the man had two evil spirits. He just perceived it. There are two demons in here. Now, where I'm going is what he told them. That I'm not going to cast the demons out. Why not? He said, because if I do, when they come back, <laughs> their life will be worse. What are we going to do? It's not as if I can't cast them out. But I have to ensure they can never come back. He had to train the man in how to make his life uncomfortable for those spirits. He told the man, look, give him, of course, he had to give his life to Christ. He was not born again at that point in time. I think he was baptized. He had to he prayed for him to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he told him he had to pray every day and meditate on the scriptures. Basically, what he's saying, fill your life, which is what I'm trying to talk about this evening. Fill your life with God so that there will be no space for demons. And one thing I used to enjoy about the man's stories and testimonies is that I will tell you that I saw them five years later, eight years later. He tells, he gives follow-up gist, and the man was still free. At that time, his, his marriage had broken. His wife was leaving. His wife was about to leave. What just happened was that she agreed to stay for one more thing, to go and see the man of God. But why I'm telling this story is that they had to make life uncomfortable for the evil spirits. Just by the way, if you're a Christian, you're delivered from anything. Maybe say, I used to smoke, I used to be this one, and I gave my life to Christ. Hmm. Let me just tell you something. You are the type that can never take that life from Christ. Though. Did you hear what I said? Once you give your life to Christ, keep it there. Not only are you going to keep it there, climb it there. You know what I climb it there? <laughs> keep increasing. Keep increasing. Keep increasing. Because these demons are very wicked. They, they don't forget. They, they, they take, look, like, just come back here. Because the only is that if, you, if, 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 if you're able to escape, next time we'll catch you, we'll bring in seven spirits, more wicked than each one of us. The aim is that so you can't go away the next time. So that's one thing about demons. Everybody, be, look. Shouting, come out, come out, come out. First time I saw people casting out demons when I was in school. Nah, I dodged you. <laughs> there was this man that time, Reverend O. Ezekiel. Came to our school to do a program. In front of the hall, two car park. Call people out for deliverance. Ah. I'm like, yeah, fine, fine girls, get demons. I didn't know. <laughs> you know, when we were young, we thought it was old women in the villages, you know, with teeth missing. I was saying that I'm a witch, I'm a witch. No. Fine. I still remember one girl, one big belt like this, fine girl like this. You save, get the one. <laughs> Boys came, ah! When the master the difference. Thank God I was not told those days. I just went, I looked for one guy that was tall, I stood behind him, so I was looking over his shoulder. <laughs> when they come out, I bend down. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so that demon coming out. You will not see me. <laughs> I don't want trouble. <laughs> I was very young that time. I think it was my first year on campus. Yes. I, I thought demons was found in the bush. You know, like, I, no. Human beings. Fine girls. 
Honestly. The Lord is good. You make your life uncomfortable for demons. That's what you do. There are demons you've been delivered of. You didn't even know they were ever there. Yes. You know, that's one problem I have sometimes with the, the stories, some deliverance. In fact, the other day, somebody said that you quote this man a lot. Say, what about this area? I said, that area. He talked a lot about demons. I said, maybe he's, I agree with him on the presence of demons. But his therapy and my therapy are not the same. The treatment he prescribes, I think it's too, in my opinion, he focuses too much on identify, stimulate, and then deliver. You know, you remember stimulate? The calm person is there. You provoke it and tell demon to manifest. So a nice calm person goes crazy. And they not deliver the evil spirit. Am I saying it's wrong? I'm not saying it's wrong. Okay, it possibly works. But I found out that many of those demons are also delivered. People are delivered of them just by sitting down where the word is. For example, now, every walk of the flesh has a demon. Now, this is how it works. Let me give you a simple one. Anger. Now, everybody can be angry. It's the nature of man God made. If you are never angry, you have a problem. But anger has to, you know, it it must be under control. Thank you. It must be under control. But if you deliberately give in to anger, either because you you copied it as the easiest way people get it. You learn from those who are in front of you. So you're always getting angry. What happens after a while is that you open your heart for a literal spirit of anger. The demon comes in and you lose control at that point. That is when initially it's something you put on, it's something you practiced, it's something you did when you wanted to. And sometimes if you decide not to, you wouldn't. But it gets to a point. When you get angry, you can't even remember things that you said, things that you did, and all of that. At that point in time, an evil spirit has taken over. So sometimes it's difficult to you know, draw a line between where the flesh is acting and the evil spirit is acting. Some, they're just dovetailing each other, into each other. Difficult to separate. So the, which is the reason why sometimes I get a bit, you know, well, I'm careful because you see, sometimes somebody just has a flesh problem. You want to cast out demons. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, so there are people just go around casting out demons from ordinary flesh problem. The flesh is put under. You can discipline the flesh, especially when you're a Christian. Now, but sometimes the spirit comes in. That's where I'm going. The person has the spirit of anger. There are different kinds spirit of jealousy, spirit of hatred. Yes, I'm telling you. One man was ministering. I think it was Pastor Eadiboy. He was just ministering in a redemption camp in church. Suddenly, by the word of knowledge, he just, he said, he just told somebody. He just said it. There's somebody here. You hate me for nothing. And really, the man confessed that. He was sitting down. Suddenly, hatred for the man of God just came upon him. He felt like, I should kill this man. May he die. You know? What that kind of thing? As the man was ministering, he just perceived it. Yeah. He called the man for deliverance immediately. It happens. The spirit of jealousy. And if, if you've seen people who have evil spirits in some things, if you have perception, you can see it. You just see it. The way the face we contort, you they must affect the flesh. But what I'm going with this whole thing is that some look. Oh God. Oh yeah, it's in line with what we are teaching. 
Even if you don't cast out the demons from somebody, if you give the person the word, you understand? The word, because that's one of the things we wanted to do, where I hope we'll get there. The word that goes against anger, and you read the scriptures, the, you know, the, the works of the flesh are, you mentioned anger. That provokes the spirit. Okay? Then you now say, I have been washed. I have been born again by an incorruptible seed. I put on the new man. You say that daily for a few days, the spirit will leave you. Like I say, go to your neighbor who's practicing anger. Yeah, seriously. So that's why my own prescribed formula for deliverance is a constant, you know, fumigation. Yeah, you, you, know, you fumigate the spirit all the time. Constantly, because you do, sometimes you don't even know which spirit is there worrying the person. As long as we have the spirit of indiscipline. <laughs> I hope you know every child has all kinds of spirits. But they are all flesh. <laughs> you cast some of those things that are cast out with a Tori. Where's Antitaio? You know what's a Tori? It's a kind of king. It's a species of plant. It's called Mr. Do Good. Some of those evil spirits are you. <laughs> That's why you used to knock them out of small, small children. <laughs> the Lord is good. So when you fill the place constantly, all right, with the life of God, which is in his word, that's deliverance. That is deliverance. That's why I'm not too much into, if, if, a, if an evil spirit manifests itself, are you getting my point? You tackle it. But I won't go and say, maybe shooking you. Whether I, <laughs> you know what I mean by I see we minister like that. Yeah, yeah. I command all of you not to begin to manifest. Jesus never did. I never saw anybody do it. Everyone I find the scriptures that they had to tackle, the manifestation was clear. What have we got to do with you? You holy one of God. Then he handles that. The madman of Gadara, he handles that. The little boy that the spirit will throw into the fire, throw into a feet, you handle that. He never saw him going around with normal, peaceful people and then provoking wind them until the spirit will manifest. Now, I think those kind of ones, if they are calm like that, give the word until the spirits get uncomfortable and they walk away by themselves. Or if they decide to manifest, fine. The Lord is good. So we have the responsibility, we said it last time, to purify our spirits, to purify our souls, and to purify our bodies, to keep them clean. To keep them clean. Because as you go out every day, there's defilement of flesh, there's the firement of spirit. We analyzed some of them last time. So what are we doing? We take the word of God. Okay, I needed to explain that. So what God does is to wash with the washing of water. What you do as a child of God, when God wants to fill, his, fill any part of life with himself, he utters words. God is very emphatic about words. He's very emphatic about words. You know, Moses, when he was warning the people of Israel, he said to them, when you got to that mountain, did you see a form? No. You didn't see, so you can't make any God. You can't see how God we saw on the mountain was like. Say, what was your experience? Say, we heard what? Words. The day I read it, I said, oh, essentially what was Moses saying? Worship words. I don't know whether I get my point. That is, worship of the true God is the worship of words. He said to them, you saw no form. So you can't go and make something. What did you get? He said, we heard words. All that came out of the smoke, everything you saw was what? Words. So he said, for that reason, you will pay attention to what? Words. How does it manifest? Like I said, look, there's one thing that words do to you. This is a mistake we make. We say, obey. 
The Bible says, hearken. Hearken is what? To listen, to pay attention. There's a word of difference. Hearken is to pay attention. Hearken is to examine the word. No, I want to understand. I want to drink. I want to know. That's to hearken. To hearken diligently. You know? <laughs> you know, when God gives a commandment, you know, we skirt around it. When the flesh wants to triumph, we skirt around it. Go around, go around. Uh, uh, did he really say? Somebody has said things like, <laughs> where did the Bible say you can't marry two wives? They're looking for a commandment that says you can't marry two wives. You know those who look for those, such commandments? Those who want to marry two wives. So where did the Bible say you cannot? See, the Bible says that a deacon must be a husband of one wife. What if I'm not a deacon? You know the issue? They are not hackling diligently. They are trying to look for excuses. Walking around. What did God say? You have given us your is it commandment. So we'll do what? Keep them how? Diligently. In Psalm 119. That's what he told us. Around verse 4. That we'll keep them diligently. That is, if you check it, we hearken to them. So our aim is to fit ourselves to that word. So instead of saying that, where did he say that we cannot tell you? Hey, listen, say, for this man shall, for this cause shall Israel leave his father and his wife and be joined to you to love it. And the two of them shall become one. So how do you want to join to the next person? For this cause shall Israel, having left his mother and father, will now leave his wife and be joined. <laughs> how does it work? And the three of them shall become We don't even know how flesh they go be now. Where I'm going is that what real believers do is to pay attention to that word and look for what pleases God here. I hope you're getting my point. They are occupied with what pleases God. We literally worship words. What did I say? Yeah, we worship the word of God. Moses said, in fact, he told them, you know, we draw a lot of things these days. The only thing God told them to draw was what? Words. You know, you didn't have a problem with them drawing words. You know, to today, a lot of things you find in Islam, especially this fundamentalist Islam, if you watch those guys closely, they, they are just like the fundamental Jews. Do you know that? They used to stone people. They used to keep, they just, oh, they say, the, way, the same way Jews used to behave. I hope you're getting my point. <laughs> now, see, fundamental Islam today, they don't let you draw anything. If you even draw a picture of the prophet, fight. Usually like that too. And there's a reason why God did some of those things. He brought Jesus Christ before um, artwork became mainstream. So there's no real picture of Jesus. You see what they call the Shroud of Turin. That photo. I hope you don't follow those things. That was a cloth they used to wrap Jesus Christ. How do you take no? Cloth just show up after how many centuries? This one they used to bury Jesus. When he came out, the radiation from his radiation body burned his image into it. They said, eh, that's a shroud. There's another one, the cloth that which was the, the saint that, that cleaned his face. And it, eh? Yes, and this was how they cleaned people, faces of people in her place and carried it away. <laughs> Let me tell you how we clean face when we're in Jerusalem. <laughs> you see, so what do we do? We wipe. There's no way you will leave your face. 
You've been wiping your face for a long time. Every time you see your photo, you say, you know, Christians will just wake up sometimes. Eh? Just come up with stories. Just make mockery of the gods. We will not be laughing at us. They want to do carbon dating to see whether that, that, that cloth is as old. In case you don't know, nobody knows where Jesus was buried. Other one, they are bathing pictures. They just leave that thing. Are you getting my point? Upper room, the house has been destroyed. I know God. He has knocked out the house. Any upper room house you see there was rebuilt by the Jews for tourism purposes. You know what I'm telling you. They look for a grave. They go dig one for you. I can dig the grave for you in Udi here. I hope, I don't know. Yeah, I can dig the grave of Jesus for you. It's not a problem. And I'll tell you that we moved this during uh, when Gaza war began. <laughs> we moved the grave from there. I will brought it to Udi. And you know human beings, they will travel all over the world to go there. Then you see one or two miracles. And, and, and people will keep on going there. So God, you see, where I'm going is that let's leave all those pictures and tombs and all of that. No. God told them from the beginning, don't worry about drawings. Don't worry about carvings. You know, all these pictures of Jesus Christ we put in our homes. Mm. Mm. We wear, wear thorn on his head. Mm. Sometimes we see him being carried out of the grave. Is he into the grave or out of the grave? Don't they carry like that? We have all kinds of pictures. <laughs> God just look at all these artists, all these drawings, when they draw. There was one thing he commanded that they could draw. That was commandments. He said, this word that I'm commanding you today shall be first in your heart and your mind, and you shall wet and sharpen them so as to make them penetrate into the heart of your children. Amongst the natural them, say, you will write them on the doorpost of your house. What do you know that one on top? Doorpost is here. On the lintel, and then you put them as front, front headbands. On your wrist, you can write words. So the things that we do that really fit what God commanded, you see those wristbands we put there. Not the one of our church, you're not right there. Redeem, I'm a redeemer. That's, that's not the scripture, that's church. I hope you know my point. Uh-huh. What he expects to, you to write is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 23, verse 1. That's the will of God. When you put it on your forehead like that, say, you know, what do you call it? Is it bandana they call it? Yeah, you tie it like that. You want to go and jog. You have it, you write it there. I am born of the spirit. I'm a new man in Christ Jesus. When you put those pictures in your house that have um, words, you know, they have a background of flowers and whatever it is, but in front, what you see is the whole of Psalm 121. That's what he commanded that people should do. He expects us to worship words. Believe me, I believe in speaking in tongues. Amen? I thought about it a few days ago. I said Christians are trying to replace intelligent words with speaking in tongues, and it's not allowed. The words that you know the meaning thereof, they must fill your heart and your mind. They must be your environment. I hope you get my point. You get up in the morning, feel you. That is, I like the way we, you know, we start praying here. That's the same thing we do in our home. When we want to pray, first thing we do is take the glory of the Lord. We just recite it. I think the favorite in my house is that Jeremiah chapter 10. There is none like you, O Lord. You are great. And great is your name in might. Who will not fear you, O King of the nations? Indeed, is your due. In fact, when I tell my children, let's read from Jeremiah chapter 10. They just dropped their Bibles. Like, no need. We can recite it. 
That's what God says. Fill everywhere with the word. That is how you are cleansing. I hope you're getting my point. That's how you cleanse your spirit. Open your Bibles. Let's read a few. Jesus said, you are already clean. Why? Because of the word which I have spoken to you. But he now says to them, that I'm cleansing, cleansing the church. That is, that's the method. If you are clean, it's because of words you have heard. I just want to read a few scriptures for cleansing of the spirit. Now, let me just say this to us again. Just to remind us of some practices we have, we must have as believers. Please let me say, say this again. Please, I, I pray that you are learning a, a, a Christian culture of praying. That's real Christian prayer culture. That's what I'm trying to do. Teach. The culture, that's how Christians pray. Like I said last time, you don't hear us fighting demons and fighting African witches and fighting ancestral curses. No, we don't. We just cleanse ourselves of what? All defilement of flesh and spirit. That's what we do. That's what we are supposed to do. Please go and listen to the series again, Prayer Basics. We talked about it in details. I just want to remind you of something we said there. When it comes to words, there are two different things you do. There are prophetic utterances, but more important for what we are doing now is what we call what? Meditation. What is meditation? It is simple. You take what God has spoken, you place it on your mouth, and you roll it between your mouth and your heart again and again and again until it becomes part of you. A prophetic declaration is like an instruction. It's like, like somebody said, a prophecy is words issued for the orderly arrangement of the physical to merge or to conform with that which is spiritual. That's the prophetic word. I hope, I hope we wrote down that definition. It's very powerful. Very, very powerful. It's not mine. It's not me. I learned it from somewhere and I modified it a bit. What's a prophetic word? A prophecy, a prophetic word, is a word issued or words issued so as to command the orderly arrangement of physical things to conform to that which is invisible or spiritual. I hope you're getting my point. That's a prophetic word. When I'm issuing forth, I expect, it's as if I'm giving commandments. That's a prophetic word. If I tell you, it shall come to pass, then I'm telling you what will come to pass. I hope you're getting my point. But what's, a, what's the word of meditation? He said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. It's not prophetic word now. But thou shalt do what? Meditate. Now, in prophetic words, you are speaking outwardly. You can be speaking to yourself, but you are commanding something. You know, like now, you are speaking to your leg, be healed. That's the prophetic word. But it's a way in which you are in drinking the word of God. The same healing thing, but this time around, you are telling your soul, your spirit, himself took my infirmities and my diseases. By his stripes I have been healed. I'm saying what that does is that he builds faith in you. Do you get my point? Constant meditation boosts faith. It builds faith. And it's an instruction we are giving in scripture. That's how you keep yourself clean. That's how you keep yourself clean. What you do is washing of water how? Is the washing of water how? By the word. So this is what, like when we're praying, of course we do that here also. We do it in my house. I said, okay, let's read a particular scripture. Maybe let's take um, Psalm 23 as an example. Now, it's a season of paying this, paying that, paying that. I'm not sure of how much money I have. There's no problem. We have learned about the miracle of the loaves, haven't we? So instead of focusing on our needs, remember Jesus Christ took the bread, it wasn't plenty. What did he do? Before that, what did he do? No, no he did something. He looked up, thank you. He lifted his eyes to heaven. Do you get my point? That's, you know what that means? Bread, I'm not looking at you. You're not the source. He lifted his eyes to heaven and then gave thanks. Don't forget that. He lifted his eyes to heaven 
You know what he was saying? This is not what we are using. What we are using is up there. I hope you are getting my point. Then he gave thanks. Now, what am I saying all of this? So, when we are meditating, okay, what we are doing is that we are turning the word again and again and again and again. So, we take that Psalm 23. I start meditating on it. What he does is that he's building confidence in me in the ability of God to supply my needs and his willingness of God to supply my needs and the fact that he is indeed my supplier. You know, God is always willing. It's whether I will provoke faith in me to allow him to do the work that he wants to do. So what do I do? I just begin to meditate. So, using that neat thing as an example, the bread is not plenty, so I take the bread, I lift my eyes to heaven, I give thanks, and I declare the glory of the Lord. The Lord is my supplier. The Lord is my shepherd. Do you get my point? Father, I thank you because you are the supplier. Father, I will thank you because you are the shepherd. That's what he did. And then he began to break the bread. And he couldn't stop breaking it until everybody had eaten. Do you get the logic there? That's what meditation is. So how do we keep ourselves clean? In any area of life, like I was saying earlier, maybe as I was teaching, I said, I said, I can't help this jealousy thing. I'm always jealous of people. Should I go for deliverance? Why can't you deliver yourself? I hope I get my point. You take scriptures. By the time you roll it in your heart again and again, that spirit of jealousy, how do I keep on saying that funny thing? You go to your neighbor's house. They don't like to travel far too, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> They're always looking for where they can rest. According to the Red Prince, demons walk, they don't fly. <laughs> you can laugh. This man will say, what does that mean? I don't know too. That's why I heard somebody say it. The man says, the difference between demons and angels. He said, angels fly. Demons walk. He said, how do you know? The Bible said, they walk through many dry places. <laughs> yeah, that's the scripture he used. That they walk through many dry places, seeking rest and finding... No- Have you ever heard that angel looking for rest? But apparently demons get tired. They, do, they don't... They can't trek. <laughs> the Lord is good. So the one I'm making is apparently they don't like to walk far. So maybe that's why they look. They really go to the next person they can see. Okay, let me prove it. Should I prove it? I found something in scripture that proves it. Should I tell you? Say please. The madman of Gadara, they went to the pig nearby. You didn't notice that? They, why didn't they go to the monkey in the forest? That would have been a great distance. They just went to the pigs nearby. So it's, it's, that's what the man of God said. He said they can't fly, that they have to trek. And I've seen people who saw them before. I didn't hear them say they fly. They said, I trek, they trek. No, no, I've heard of flying monkeys before, actually. But I don't think they flew five. Maybe you're, you're, have you seen cockroach fly? Short distance, bam, they don't, they don't land. Continue scoring around. That's demonic oppression. <laughs> the Lord is good. Let's open our Bibles, all right? I want to just read a few portions of scriptures with which we will cleanse our spirit. Let's open to that first Peter chapter 1. Yeah, okay, I was telling you about meditation. So this is how we do it. We read the scriptures. I just take time. And roll it over in your heart. Between, well, of course, when I say roll it over in your heart, it's not thinking. How do you roll it over in your heart? Muttering. It's with your mouth. So it goes from your heart to your mouth. Then your ears hear it. It goes back to your heart. It goes back to your mouth. Your ears hear it. It goes back to your heart. Your, it comes out from your, your heart to your mouth. Your ears hear it again. You know, just keep going again and again. That's what you are doing. It's called what? 
meditating. Let's open to First Peter chapter one verse three. So I'm going to we are going to read a few of them. We can remain seated. Just it's a personal thing. Hallelujah. We read this last time, but we didn't get to. In fact, that's the main thing I wanted to get to, but I just didn't get there. All right, the Lord is good. Now this cleanses the spirit. What did I say? You didn't hear me. This cleanses the spirit. What did I say? I want to read a few scriptures. That now remember, the actually, like I said, we have been cleansed. We are also what being cleansed, and then we shall be ultimately fully cleansed. That's the way it works. All right. So let's look at this. When we are being cleansed now, what we are doing is reiterating what God says he has done for us. And we are explaining to evil spirits why they can't stay there. We are explaining to negative attitudes, negative spirits, why they can't stay in our heart. This is one example. Now, let's read them. Verse 23. Are you there? First Peter chapter 2, chapter 1, verse 23. One to let's go. For you have been born again. Not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. Now, let's do one more time. Now, wait, wait, wait. This time around, it's not you, but what? All right, let's go right again. One, two, let's go. For I have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. One more time. Read verse 25, put I there. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to me. Do you get my point? It is you. That word endures forever. I said that word endures forever. Now let's just read verse 2. Sorry, the next verse, which is chapter 2, verse 1. We'll read um, um, 1 to 2. All right? 1 to let's go. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, so that you may go, grow in respect to salvation. Now you have one minute, you are going to meditate on this, and you are telling yourself, I have been born again, that's what we are saying, by the word of God, which is imperishable, which is incorruptible. And for that reason, I put aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, and all slander. You should, be, you should do that. Confess it. I put aside because I have been born. Look, you, you are cleansing your spirit. That's what we are doing. All defilement is going. All defilement. If you wish to stand, please go ahead. If you wish to kneel, if you want to remain seated, but please be busy. Be busy doing something. This is how you keep your spirit clean. I have been born again by the in, you know, incorruptible word of God. I have been born again. By the word that abides forever. I've been born again. By a seed that cannot perish. I have been born again. I have been made a new creature in Christ Jesus. We're going to read that in a moment. I have been born. Now put your finger here. Now please don't bother opening your Bible. I'll just open it to you because I don't want to disturb your meditation. Second Corinthians chapter 5 quickly. He said, therefore if anyone is in Christ, is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, th- new things have come. I like that one in, in King James. Is if anyone is, is in Christ, let me read from King James, or New King James. So therefore, if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. 
Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now I want you to repeat after me. Say, therefore. therefore. Now remember, don't forget the one we are using. Um, First Peter chapter 1 verse 23. You are going to go back to that. Use this too. But let's just read the ones together. One to let's go. Therefore, say it after me. Therefore. If anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now let's do one more time. Say, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Say, I am in Christ. Therefore, I am a new creation. The old spirit has passed away. All habits have passed away. Everything has been made new. Say, everything has been made new. Say, I've been reconciled to the Father through Christ Jesus. Now I have the Spirit of God in me. You have under one minute. Join this to what we were reading before in First Peter chapter 1. And please meditate. That's for the cleansing of the Spirit. It's for the cleansing of the Spirit. It's for the cleansing of the Spirit. That is how you cleanse the Spirit. You need to say this to yourself every day. Like I say all the time, we're not here to pray really. We're here to learn how to make a habit of praying. The things we are supposed to do as believers, as a habit. This is how Christians pray. This is how Christians pray. Any wrong spirit inside you is removed. Any evil spirit that's giving you bad you know, thoughts, malice, jealousy, envy. Those things are the defilement of the spirit. They are not of the mind. They are of the spirit. When you hear words like envy, jealousy, they are words that affect the spirit. Roll those words again. And again in your heart. Say, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. Say, I'm already clean because of the word that he has spoken to me. You are affirming that. I abide in him. And he abides in me. Now please, these words don't forget. Born again by an incorruptible seed. New creature in Christ Jesus. Let's now open to Ephesians chapter 4. This is for the cleansing. The Paul said, cleanse yourself of all defilement of flesh and spirit. Is how you do it. Ephesians chapter 4, quickly. Ephesians chapter 4. Now, um, I'm going to read a portion for you, right? Then you are going to join me from verse um, 20. Is that okay? From verse 21, alright? Now, I'm going to read from verse 17. It said, therefore, I, it said, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to walk all on cleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. Let's do it together. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. Verse 22. That you put. The, sorry. Old man. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. You are in New Americans. Earlier I went to New King James. Okay. So that's. Okay. Sorry. I'm very sorry. Let me just. Let's read it together. It's beautiful when our voices rhyme. So we're going to read it again. Let me go back to that verse 21. Let's continue with that verse 21 from New Americans. And I want to. Let's go. I was reading New King James earlier. Let's start from verse 20. But you did not learn Christ in this way. Go ahead. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, 
that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the loss of deceit, and that you put, you be renewing the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Now read verse 24 again. And put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. That is, you have the new self, amen? amen? Now take a moment and declare it again. Add it to what you had from First Peter chapter 1, 23. Being born again of an incorruptible seed. And a new creature in Christ Jesus, read that from Second Corinthians chapter 1, from verse 17. Now we're in that here in verse 24 of Ephesians chapter 4. He said, we have a new self. Say to yourself, I have a new self, which has been created in the likeness of God, in righteousness and holiness of the truth. If you read from verse 25, he said, therefore laying aside falsehood, Speak truth, each one with his neighbor. Be angry and do not sin. He who steals must steal no longer. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Now say, as you are meditating, as a result of these things, because I have a new self, I lay aside every falsehood. I lay aside every falsehood. I speak truth with everyone I interact with. I speak truth with everyone I interact with. I speak truth. I speak truth. Anger doesn't have control over me. Anger doesn't have control over me. I do not defraud. I do not steal. I'm speaking to myself. Every defilement of the spirit. Every defilement of the spirit. Fear has no control over me. The fear of tomorrow, which makes people steal. But I have a new life in Christ Jesus. That new life has been created in the likeness of God. That new life has been created in the likeness of God. In righteousness. In holiness of the truth. Meditate on that. We are cleansing the spirit. We are cleansing the spirit. We are cleansing the spirit. I want to clearly read something to us. That Jesus said concerning Nathaniel. This is very, very important. Because there's something I just realized. You know, I think my wife and I were discussing it this morning. Was it yesterday night? That Jesus said something. In John chapter 1, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. That's King James English. In whom is no guile. Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. New Living Translation says, Now here is a genuine, a genuine son of Israel. A man of complete integrity. Did you hear that? What did they call him? A man of what? Complete integrity. He said, a true Israelite. My version, New American Standard says, in whom there is no deceit. You know what I found out? A lot of us, there's deceit in our mouth. Today we are going to end it. Amen? It's a defilement of the spirit. I was talking to one man today. He was supposed to do something for my wife. I said, ah, how far now? He says, sir, I've been waiting. I shouted, waiting for what? I was waiting for your feedback. I said, feedback? How? This woman has been looking, at, looking for you for two days. How are you waiting for your feedback? He did not say to me, you lost your phone. How was he supposed to get back to you? I don't know whether I get the point. And indeed, she had been looking. 
calling and calling and calling. I managed to find a way to get across to him. So I was telling myself, this is a problem with us. We always want to, you know. Yes, that's the word, meander. We just want to twist and turn. What is the simple thing? For God, my hands have been full. I've been very busy. That's the truth. Nothing wrong with that. Why do you want to push it over to me? I thought about it. I realized that one major thing that God wants from us as believers. He said, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is what? No guile, no deceit. I like that new American, I didn't need even translation. A man of complete integrity. You know the way we like to deceive ourselves? I'm on the way. You are not on the way. That's your way of saying that I've not reached there. Where are you now? It's better to just say, I'm 30 minutes away from you. Yeah, because you know you are, it will take you about 30 minutes to get there. You give the big geography to make you look like you're in the office. Where you, are, you say, I'm in Enugu. Your guy's coming from Lagos. You know he will assume you're in the Enugu office. Where you're in ShopRite. Your office is back on the road. I know it's hard. Let me tell you the truth. It was uncommon. Peter didn't have it. John didn't have it. Those days, though, afterwards they had it. James did not have it. That was why when God, when Jesus saw Nathaniel, say, ah, this one has it. I hope you're getting my point. Nathaniel didn't know how to deceive people. Whatever he said, he meant. Whatever you saw, you got. That was just Nathaniel for you. Now, why I'm bringing it up that you know it impressed the Lord. And I want to say to you today, it impresses the Lord. Now, you're going to confess into your life. Now, remember, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Then after that, what? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Then now Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. Add the three together to the pleasure of God in Nathaniel. Based on all of this, and say, in the name of Jesus, I cleanse myself of every deceit. You know, Paul said it. Don't speak lies to anybody, to yourselves. I must be one. So you need to, no, we have to cleanse that thing. You go and borrow money from people. You know you don't have money to pay. You go and be promising next week. See, I was saying, there's one brother one day, I liked his own. He needed money. Now, let me just tell you this story to help you. To see how you can handle things like that. He needed money. He just saw me. He said, hey, Pastor Banky. This is the this is, this is situation. And because he's a big man, I couldn't say, come and take money. So I said, okay, okay, maybe I can help you. I have some money. They have to pay some money. I said, okay. Let me just bring it. Let me lend you some money. He said, I can't borrow. He said it to me flat. He said, because I don't like being under pressure. He said, because I can't promise you I will pay. Or when I will pay. In my mind, it doesn't matter. I'm only asking to lend it to you before anyway. Only because, <laughs> you know, you're a big man. I can't just be dashing big man money. Do you get my point? He told me flat. He said, no, no, no. He said, he said Pastor Banky, see, if I tell you that I will give the money next to you, he said, I'm lying he said, I don't have money to pay. I don't know where money is coming from. I said, oh, God, there's no problem. That is not an issue. So without saying it between ourselves, I knew I dashed him the money. Because he said to me, see, I don't like pressure. I don't like to be telling somebody, I'm coming, I'm coming. I said, I can't do it. Some people say, ah, don't worry, just give me one week. And they will not tell them that I was believing God. Why didn't you tell me into my face? That this money, I'm going to pay you back when God supplies it next week. Then me and you will know that we are working in faith together. Then we join hands. 
And if God doesn't send it to you, you will call me. Did he send it to you? <laughs> First Peter chapter 1 verse 23, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 24, and Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. Lump them together and say, Lord, according to the new creature in Christ Jesus, in me there is no guile. So I reject every guile. You can issue a prophetic word, guile out of my life, deceit out of my life. It's called cleansing. God wants, to, wants us to cleanse ourselves of all defilement of flesh and spirit. Like I said earlier, there's a kind of development an African mind cannot take. There's a kind of defilement of spirit that will not bring certain blessings into our lives. Now let me be a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. It's called cleansing of the spirit. That's what we are doing. We are cleansing the spirit. We are cleansing the spirit. So I lay aside every falsehood. That's chapter, you know, that um, Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore, I lay aside every falsehood. I lay aside every falsehood. I lay aside every falsehood. You need to say it. I put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. I lay aside every falsehood. I speak truth to everyone I interact with. Anger has no control over me. I do not steal, ever. No unwholesome word will proceed from my mouth. All my words will be good for edification, according to the need of the moment. I will not grieve the Holy Spirit, by whom I have been sealed for the day of redemption. Verse 31 says, All bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander is put away from me now along with all malice, bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, all types of evil behavior. Say, kindness is my portion. That's what it says in verse 32. He says, instead, be kind to each other. Tender-hearted. Oh, you need to confess that. Tender-heartedness is my portion. I tell you, the evil spirits, the demons of anger and rage, they are living. They are living. They can't stay. They can't stay. Put these words on your heart and on your lips. Roll these words over and over. You are bitter against your father. You are bitter against your husband. You drop it now. He said, get rid of bitterness. How do you just say it? I get rid of bitterness. I get rid of bitterness. I get rid of anger. I get rid of harsh words. I get rid of bitterness. I get rid of anger. In the na- you are speaking this into yourself. If you are listening to this by you know, recording, that's why you need to play this again and again. It's a cleansing of the spirit we are doing. All. That's what he said. It's a cleansing of the spirit. All defilement of the spirit, we cleanse it. We lay aside falsehood. Negative speaking. We lay aside falsehood. Words full of anger. Words not full of grace. Oh, let me just read these two portions to, to us. Today is the cleansing of the spirit. Proverbs chapter 6, quickly. I want us to see something here. Like I said at the beginning, if you're a pastor, please preach repentance. Tell Christians how to behave. Did you hear what I said? What did I say? Pastors, you preach what? Yes. 
I tell Christians how to behave. Please let me take a side trip. Don't believe any grace doctrine that never square, head on, address iniquity. There's one doctrine some of my brethren used to preach. I say here once in a while, I don't believe it. They say, if you just pray the new creature, people will stop sinning. It's not true. Why do you want to preach doctrines that Paul didn't understand? I don't know whether you're getting my point. You want to preach what Jesus did not preach. Peter, Peter, Peter. Okay, please, let me be honest with you. I, 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 I thank God for the life of Peter and Paul and all of that. And Jesus Christ who commanded them directly and John. I don't really think I, I can understand the gospel more than all these four people put together. Maybe you can. I don't think I can. Jesus, together with Peter, John, and Paul. If any one of them directly mentioned words against sin, who am I to say I don't need to do it? They call the sin his name. They call it names. Anger. Lying. Cheating. Adultery. They call the name. My brother will be preaching that, you know, if you preach the new creature, sin just drops away. Sometimes he wants to drop. The people don't know it's bad. They hold it. <laughs> I've seen good people do some things. I just said, hey, wait, wait. What you want to do is bad. And they did not know. Again, look, good people who love the Lord. I said, this thing you want to do is bad. And they didn't know. This is grace gospel some of you are following. Let me tell you the way it is. You will enter into Koto. You know what's Koto? And it I What's the meaning of Koto? Portable. I'm not serious. Just this guy from the West, so I'm not sure. It's Pete. The one you fall inside, go hard for you to come out. You will fall into a pit. Too. This grace that makes you comfortable when you are doing what is wrong, it will kill you. You know, some people preach the grace to an extent, and you just wonder, are you mad? Are you normal? You want to ask them. They say, <laughs> they say look, I'm a new creature in Christ. So I cannot sin. He that is born of God does not sin. Anything I do is not a sin. Yeah, they preach it. That look, you, a, a, a child of God cannot be talking about, how can you talk about, where will sin stay? So there's nothing, and I say, wait, did you write your own Bible, or you not read this one that we have? This what the Bible calls superfluity of nothingness. There's evil communication. There's what they call the works of the flesh. And he listed them for us in Galatians chapter 5. And he told us, don't do it. I mean, what is wrong with people? And I say, all oh, 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 we preach is Christ. Just preach Christ. Just preach Christ. This Christ that you are preaching. And you know what I've noticed over the years? Nothing good ever comes out of it. As our pastor will be impregnated, impregnating church, choir people. I'm t- no, what are you saying? It's the stories you'll be hearing now. There's, there's one particular church that they can preach that grace. Very powerful. That's how they preach it. The one sister called me one day. She said that uh, I should recommend church for her. That she likes that particular church. There's only one problem. Say their worship is good. When they are doing worship, they say, but they can't. They can't fornicate. I said, ah, tell you what, you. He said, look, those people, they are so dishonest. 
and you want to go there. That's the case. You want yourself. <laughs> you want to just go there because they are worship. What else do you call? That's not worship. They are singing. Thank you. They're not worshiping. They are singing. What is just that you enjoy the jam? There's one church that does it when I was in Lagos. They say, ah, if you go to that church, man, the worship is wonderful. Ah, that's why I go there one day. Oh boy, when I saw equipment, when they started, do ba 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 ge ge ah, then they were they pray. Do you know I couldn't move? I said, this is what they call worship. So this is nonsense. So this is just jam. You know they call jamming. I want to jam with you. You know the song. <laughs> That's, they were just jamming. I mean, I said they just jamming now. The one guy came, came to worship, to lead worship. They gave him a microphone. He said, Chew, Justin, Chew, Chew, want to? I said, This one came from the club. <laughs> He's a club man. I said, Leave that in. This is not worship. The song, the, the music is good. Jamboree. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Jamboree. Just know when it's Jamboree. You know, I tell you sometimes you go to a place where they dance, you know, dance away your troubles. Uh-huh. It's okay. But don't call it worship. Come on, don't, don't, don't annoy me. How can you be worshiping like that and all we know you for is dishonesty? How can we be worshiping like that? We don't say, hmm. once we say, Pastor, we tell the girls, come to this side. Hey, ladies, let's go, let's go. It's getting late. Why? Because they're hanging around, Pastor. How can that be worship? One day, one man told me, he said, what do I do to this people? Because he knew I was a Christian. I said, what happened, sir? He said, I rented my house to these church people. I shouted. I said, you did. They didn't want you. I said, they won't pay you. And they were not paying him. He said, what do I do? <laughs> ah, you know, I, I didn't want to take sides against brethren. So I said, that's not a problem. I said, threaten to report them to their senior people. I said, they, those people, they care more about Outward appearance. I said, that embarrassment will make them pay you. I said, don't sue them. I was going to say, sue them. I said, don't sue them. They won't be embarrassed. Threaten to leak it. Threaten you write a letter to their headquarters. I said, because they, they thrive so much on show, they will pay you your money. He said, thank you. I shook my head. I said, you'll never change. And meanwhile, when they are preaching, <laughs> Your new creation in Christ. Amen. Oh, you born again. Amen. Oh, things are passed away. Amen. You now say, even if it's sin, it's your flesh, it's not your spirit. Your spirit is pure. Amen. Please, young people, nobody should preach you that kind of nonsense grace. That's disgrace. The soul that sin it, it shall die. Even though he thinks he's born again. They didn't even cry to an extent. Sananias was not born again. Sapphira was not born again. I said, how do you know? Because God killed a God will never kill a Christian. Yeah. I said, but the Bible said they were. He said, no. No, no, no. Let's stop this in ourselves. You want to know the truth? Zavira was born again. One I can assure you was born again was this guy. Simon. The Bible says clearly he believed. He was baptized. He began to follow them. 
Then Peter came. And Peter would do like this and touch somebody. And the Holy Spirit would hit the person. Ah! Simon says, see power. Then John would lay hands on people. They would be filled with the Spirit. They would fall backwards and begin to speak in other tongues and begin to prophesy. Ah! Uh-uh. Now, you know, this was something that the other guy was not doing. What's his name? Philip, the evangelist. He was doing miracles, but he was not getting the new believers filled with the Spirit. When Peter and John came, pam, 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 people were getting filled. Hey! Simon said, I have a sheet for you people. I have a sheet to tap into the anointing. Just a small amount of power. Give me this power. He thought he was still in that place where he used to be. Oh God. Please, so if you want to annoy people, annoy John. Don't annoy Peter. If you find James, annoy that one. If Safira had known. They would have gone to lie to somebody else. Why do you think Jesus used to whisper to John that Judas is a thief? You don't tell Peter such things. The day you tell Peter, that's the day you stop stealing. The guy would. This is where he's cutting, not here. He's rooming that hand. The hand. I can assure you, Peter did not know Jesus was silly. <laughs> because Simon came, instead of going to ask John for the power, he went to ask Peter. <laughs> oh, foolish Galatian. He couldn't even look at I. <laughs> he went to Peter. Why am I talking about it? The guy was born again. But Peter, who knew the word of God, he looked at him. He said, Your money perish with you. Like Ananias and Sapphira perished that time. <laughs> he said, you are still in the gall of bitterness and the bondage of iniquity. If anybody tells you Christians cannot be bound with those things, they lie. That's why we are here today. Cleansing ourselves of all defilement. We have to know the things that God hates. That's why I said you open to Proverbs chapter 6. We're going to read from verse 16. Let's read it together, 16 to 19. Are you there? I'm going to wait for you if you are not there yet. Are you there? Now let's read it together. One, two, let's go. There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and the hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feed that runs rapidly to evil. A false witness who waters lies are one who spreads strife among brothers. Did you see that? He said God hates them. Pride, that's number one. Pride, that's number one. Haughty eyes, that's pride. A lying tongue. No Christian should tell lies or be a false witness. Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies. 
and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. I just used the NIV there. And God now says, what do I expect of my people? Psalm 24. This is what we do. We cleanse ourselves of all defilement with the word of God. We are being purified with the washing of water. As we are reading these things, everybody say it in the name of Jesus. Jesus. Everything the Lord hates will not be found in me. Say it to yourself personally for about 15 seconds there. Because I'm born again, I have a new life in Christ Jesus. I lay aside all forms of foolishness. I lay aside all forms of foolishness. Now let me read from Psalm 24. We'll close in a moment. He said, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? From verse 3. And who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully, he said he shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Notice what he said. He must have what? Clean hands, a pure heart. Remember Nathaniel, one in whom there is no guile, who does not lift up his soul to falsehood. He said that is some other Bibles who use it like the NIV says who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false God. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. What are we doing? We are cleansing ourselves of all these things. Again, let's go back to it. Just take a moment and say to the Lord, I've been washed. I am clean. I maintain my purity. Take a moment and say that to the Lord. I've been washed by the blood of Jesus. I reject every defilement that the world brings to me. I reject the works of the flesh. Ah, we have to cleanse ourselves. There are blessings he wants to bring into our lives. Yet we cannot receive those blessings unless we have been cleansed totally. We cannot receive those blessings unless we have been cleansed totally. Paul said, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. We need to know them. The deeds of the flesh, he said, they are evident in Galatians chapter 5. What are the deeds of the flesh? It says sexual immorality, impurity, which is sexual perversion, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, self. As, as I'm reading these things, you are rejecting them out of your life. You are saying, this is not my portion in the name of Jesus. I cast it out of me. The spirit of these things I reject out of my life. Quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild partying, and other, th- and other sins like this. So I reject all of them out of my life. But I drink of the Spirit of God. Say it, I drink of the Spirit of God. And I bear the fruit of the Spirit. Open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read from verse 22 together. And I bear the fruit of the Spirit. This is established in my life. By virtue of the life of God that is in me, I bear fruit. Because the life of God dwells. Now, repeating these things to yourself. 
by, by virtue of the life of God that is in me, I bear fruit. The life of God dwells in me. The seed of God is in me. Jesus has breathed upon me. He said, receive holy breath. The same way God breathed into Adam at the beginning. Jesus has breathed upon, breathed upon me. So I have the spirits now. I have that life-giving spirit. He has given me the life-giving spirit. He has given me life. So I'm alive unto God. Receive Holy Spirit, he said. Receive the Holy Spirit. I have the spirit of Christ. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in me. The seed of God is in me. Therefore, sin is not my lifestyle. The seed of God is in me. Sin is not my lifestyle. I desire the sincere make of the word. That's what I've been participating in today anyway. And I'm growing thereby. I need to confess that. I desire, I delight in the sincere make of the word. And I'm growing thereby. And I'm growing thereby. Open to Galatians chapter 5. And I'm growing thereby. And the fruit of the Spirit is in my life. Everybody, begin to repeat after me. Say love. love. Say loud. Love. 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 Joy. Joy. Peace. Patience, Patience. kindness, Kindness. goodness, Goodness. faithfulness, Faithfulness. gentleness, Gentleness. self-control. So these are the gifts, these are the fruits in my life. life. Now, we're going to read them again. As we're reading them, each one you, you speak out. You know what you're doing? You are claiming it. Say, I bear this fruit. Are you getting my point? As As you read it out, you know what you are saying? I'm bearing this fruit. When you repeat it, what are you saying? Say it again. Everybody say after me. Say love. Love. Joy. Joy. Now, I'll call one, one, then you take about five seconds and tell yourself, I'm bearing the fruit of love. I'm bearing the fruit of joy. Just about five seconds. Then I call the next one. Then you repeat it and then you take a few seconds. Let's do it again. Love. Love. I'm bearing the fruit of love. The love of God is in me. It's been shed abroad in my heart. I manifest it. Joy. Shout it loud before you start. Joy. joy. Now continue the declaration. I bear the fruit of joy. I bear the fruit of joy. Oh, oh. Nothing can depress me because I have the joy of the Holy Spirit. I have the joy of the Holy Spirit. I have the love of God in my heart. And I have joy in the Holy Ghost. Peace. peace. The peace of God that passes all understanding. That is my portion. The peace of God that passes all understanding. That is my portion. I have the peace. I bear the fruit of peace. Patience. Patience. Oh God, I have the patience of God. I'm followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Oh, patience. Thank you, Lord, for the spirit of patience. I bear the fruit of patience. I bear the fruit of patience. Kindness. Kindness. Oh God. Love is kind. Paul said. I bear the fruit of kindness. Like my heavenly father. I'm kind for bearing with one another. He said. Goodness. Goodness. All right. Like my heavenly father. I bear the fruit of goodness. I am good. He said, there is no good but God. So the fruit of goodness, the seed of God is inside me. Bearing fruit unto goodness. Faithfulness. 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 Oh God. (laughs) 
Faithful. Faithful. I'm dependable. I am faithful. Because the seed of God is inside me. Faithfulness. I bear the fruit of faithfulness. Gentleness. Gentleness. Uh-huh. Like my heavenly father. Oh, like Jesus Christ. A broken reed he will not break. I'm gentle. Gentle. Like my heavenly father. The spirit of God is in me. The seed of God. Bearing fruit unto gentleness. Self-control. Self-control. Claim it. He that has rule over his spirit is better than one that takes a city. I have self-control because I'm born again. Because I've been born of an incorruptible seed. I have self-control. In the name of Jesus, you will bear good works. You will bear good fruit. Men will see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now every defilement of the flesh in form of infirmities and sicknesses, I speak against them in your body now. And I command it to disappear. I command weak joints to disappear. Strength return to those joints in the name of Jesus. Again I say old age is not a disease. So it can't bring you arthritis. It can't bring you glaucoma. It can't bring you diabetes. It can't bring you high blood pressure. It can't bring you stroke. No, it cannot. Yeah, we decree it in agreement with the word of God. It cannot. As you grow older, you get wiser. But your strength will be preserved. As your days, so will your strength be. Your strength will be preserved like that of Caleb. In the name of Jesus Christ. Moses was 120 years old. His eyes did not grow dim. His strength did not abate. God used to call him up to mountains. And he used to walk there unaided. That will be your testimony in the name of Jesus. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Is giving life now to your mortal body. That evil spirit has nothing to hold on to. Your spirit is cleansed. Your spirit is pure. Yes, it is pure. It is pure because you are keeping it pure by the washing of water, by the word. And that same washing affects your flesh right now. I command that skin disease to disappear. In the name of Jesus. That kidney, hear ye the word of the Lord. Wake up. Walk normally. I said walk normally. I command the kidneys to arise and walk normally. Kidney failure, disappear. In the name of Jesus Christ. Every part of that brain that may may have died because of stroke or whatever be the affliction, receive life now. In the name of Jesus. I said receive life now. The breath of God, receive it now in the name of Jesus. Receive life, receive life, receive life. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. You know that life of Christ, that power of God is right here with us on this earth. He didn't return to heaven. The Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is here. And that same spirit is giving life to your mortal body. Now if you believe this words, give the Lord thanks. Just say, Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, the Lord is good.
If you are blessed, give me an amen. amen. Now let's share the grace in fellowship. One, two, let's go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we are passed out of death and we are passed into life. We are passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We are passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Quickly bless the people around you. Say, this is your season. Spirit and of the power of God. In the name of Jesus Christ. Two more people. The last person, this is your season. The last one for yourself. This is my season. All right, Gerald, brethren, God bless you.